Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's a haunting question. one. As we look at this text, we've um, just about coming to the conclusion of Paul's main uh, argument, if you will, regarding uh, the injection of something else to be added to the gospel. And so we come now to Galatians 5.1. In many ways, verse 1 is, is the theme of the entire book of Galatians. All that he has said is wrapped up in this verse. It, it, look at it with me. It says, for freedom, Christ has free. Now, there, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what that verse means because there's a lot of misunderstanding about what the freedom that, uh, uh, that Paul is talking about really is. Uh, some folks have the idea, well, it's just general sort of generic freedom. Uh, it's the ability to do what you want. Uh, our American society worships that kind of freedom, uh, the notion that whatever you feel like doing, you can do it, whatever you uh, have a desire or a, or a hankering to do, you, that you're, you're just sort of obligated to do that. And so we have this, this sort of wild idea about freedom in which everybody gets to do whatever they want. If you want a biblical phrase for that, everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Everyone gets to decide what uh, is good and what is not good, and so they live according to that. This sort of generic idea of freedom. Uh, others have said, well, no, it, it, this is uh, Christian freedom, so for freedom Christ has set us free, and what that means is that uh, Jesus wants us all to just be liberated into the full expression of our humanity, and so that we all just sort of get along together, and uh, kumbaya, which is uh, 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 an ancient word meaning uh, freedom. So uh, the, 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 there's sort of this notion, this generic notion of freedom. What I want you to know this morning is that in this verse, for freedom Christ has set us free, there's a very small word. It's so small that it didn't even get into the English. It's just in the Greek, all right? Small words are important. Small things can be very, very important. Um, uh, my old car was mentioned. Well, even before that old car, there was another old car, and before that, there was my first car. It was a 69 Ford. It was a Galaxy. Okay, you never heard of it because it was one step below. Uh, it, it was a, um, uh, a custom. That's one step below a Galaxy. So, um, but, but it was a, it was a nice car. Had a, a 390 Y-block V8 engine. This means nothing to some of you, but I'm just reveling in the thought of it. Uh, you opened the hood and you looked under it and everything was there just like the auto shop manual said in your high school auto shop. Uh, not, everything was the same color as the auto shop. Uh, you know, the block was blue and, you know, and all those kinds of things. And so I, I could work on this car. There, there was like enough room there for an entire congressional district to assemble and, you know, you could get in and you can work in it. So um, that, that's, that, that was the, the kind of car. It was 3000 1,700 pounds of Detroit steel, and I loved every bit of it. Well, uh, I had spent the afternoon tuning up the car, and, and um, all right, somebody explained to, to the younger folks what changing spark plugs means, and, um, and gapping the, the plugs, and, and, and uh, setting the points, 
Nobody remembers the setting the points. Uh, th this car had something called a distributor, uh, which was a you know a very fine thing to have. Uh, we don't have them anymore. But anyway, th there was a very fine car. So we spent the, the afternoon and we, we tuned up the car. My friend and I were driving back to the house, and the car just quit, just like that. Nothing. It, it wouldn't cough. It wouldn't sputter. You know, you turn the starter and you, you know, and that, that's it. It just wouldn't do a thing. Uh, I didn't, but my friend was really good at this. He tracked it down. You know what it was? There is a one-quarter-inch set screw in the distributor plate. You don't need to know what it is. All you need to know is it's about the size of a frozen pea. That screw had stripped out, and so the distributor plate closed up. Nothing was happening with the points. In other words, you, you could have just start, turned the key, you are blue in the face. Nothing was ever going to happen in that car. 3,700 3, pounds of Detroit steel stopped by a little tiny screw the size of a pea. That's how important small things can be. That's how important this small word is in the Greek text. Like I said, it was so small that it didn't even make it into English. But if you were in first uh, semester Greek class and you were translating this verse, uh, first of all, congratulations, you were ahead of my first semester. But, it, you, you, know, you, you know, with your schoolboy Greek, you're translating. It, you, you would have found this word. It would have been the first word in the verse, and it's the word the. The word the. And so you, you might translate this for the freedom Christ has set us free. Not for freedom in general, not for freedom as some kind of political program that all human beings aspire to. Well, some do. The freedom, the freedom Paul has just been talking about, the freedom in this verse is known and defined by the first four chapters of the book of Galatians. Take all of that work, all of the work we've done in the book of Galatians, pour it into that word freedom. That's what the word the does in the Greek. Ask me about it later. I'll give you the, the particulars about the anarthrous and articular use uh, uh, before nouns and having to do, okay. And the development of the article. I, I looked this up. It's really interesting. <laughs> Evidently not. <laughs> but for the freedom, for the freedom we've just been talking about, the freedom that comes by the gospel of Jesus Christ, the freedom of the authentic gospel, not just a generic freedom, but specifically the freedom we have in Christ. It was, it was just vitally important to Paul that you understand that it is for that kind of freedom that Christ has set you free. It's a freedom that's defined by the sovereignty of the Father. You know, uh, at no point does God abdicate his throne. Never, ever does God say, I'm tired of being Lord of the universe. God never, ever takes the position that, well, I'll just uh, uh, regulate my corner of the world and you can have your corner of the world. God is absolutely sovereign. And when we have freedom, it is under the sovereignty of God. That means it's a freedom defined by who God is. It's a freedom that is in conformity to the will of God. You see, we were created to glorify God. But we cannot do that. We don't even have the desire to glorify God. 
God has to, by his grace, give us the desire to glorify him. And when he plants that desire in your heart and it becomes an overwhelming passion in your life that you want God to be honored and his name to be exalted, then when that desire comes into your heart by the work of the Holy Spirit, then you are set free to be what you were created to be, one who glorifies the Father. That desire must be put there. The ability must be put there. We don't have the ability to glorify God the way he deserves. We don't have the words. We don't have the insight. We don't have the mechanisms. We, we don't have the wherewithal to give God the glory his, he deserves. But by his grace, he gives us the ability, the Holy Spirit in our lives, so that we can glorify him. The freedom that we have under the sovereignty of God is made able by the work and the grace of God. And then we are given the opportunity to glorify God. We are given occasions in our lives, throughout our lives, and in, in, in the course of the day, whereby we might glorify him. That opportunity is given to us. So our freedom is the work of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. For that kind of freedom, Christ has set us free. For that freedom that has been won for us in the authentic gospel, we have been set free. Now here's something of how it works. Some of us get really impressed with religion. Religion seems to be like a good thing. It's a, it's a noble enterprise. It starts a lot of hospitals and schools. It seems to do charitable work. Uh, it's a worthy cause kind of thing. And so we get very impressed by religion. And then we get impressed by the rules of religion. The, the, the rules that say, well, if you go to church and you say your prayers and memorize some Bible verses, maybe do a couple of mission trips and projects and things like that, then God will love you and then God will bless you and your life will be okay and nothing bad will ever happen to you in that sense. And so we fall in love with religion because it seems to us a way that we can make God work for us and do what we want him to do. That's why we like religion. It's that, that's sort of the, the human condition. But the problem with religion is it's all about our manipulating God rather than God changing us and conforming us to him. That's the problem with religion. That, that's why Paul was so upset at these people. Now, they'd come in and they'd say, yeah, yeah, you have faith in Jesus, that's fine. But now you need to do something else. God doesn't quite like you enough uh, in, 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 until you do this circumcision thing, this external act of religion. It's sort of like bargaining with God. God, if I do this, if I have the circumcision, if I, if, if I obey the laws, if I obey the Sabbath and the diet laws, if I obey the law, then, then God, surely then you'll be on my side. It was the earliest form of the prosperity gospel that there was something you could do to make God bless you more. And Paul said I, I, that, that he couldn't stand it. That's why at the very end of this paragraph... You know, he sort of, and I'm not going to say he goes over the top because uh, the Holy Spirit is inspiring and guiding him, but boy, it sure looks like he went over the top. He says, I wish these guys, if, they, if, they're, if they're interested in, in, in circumcision, I wish they'd just go ahead and do the whole thing. That's how frustrated he was because he saw how they were, they were harassing the people and, and unsettling the people and tearing the people up. Religion will do that. But for freedom... Christ has set you free. And here's why I want you to know that. Religion will always disappoint you. Religion will always disappoint you. It'll disappoint you because religion uh, comes to church and says, you know, uh, 
it's a rule here, everybody has to be nice to me. And it is. That's one of our rules. You have to be nice to everybody, okay? That's a rule. That's our religion. And uh, look, when you come to church, please be nice to everybody. Would you please? But what's going to happen is you're going to have that in your mind. The rule of religion, everybody has to be nice to me when I come to church, and you're going to walk into church, and somebody's not going to be nice to you. You're going to say good morning, and they're going to just bypass you and not even look at you. You're going to say, how are you today? And they're just going to mutter something and keep on going down the hallway. You're going to see two people talking. You're going to walk up to them and say, hey, how's it going? And they're just going to get silent until you leave. And you're going to decide these people aren't friendly. They're not nice to me. And the religion will disappoint you. But for freedom, you have been set free by Christ. And here's what that means. That means you have the freedom to look at that person who didn't say hello to you and say, you know, I'm, I'm guessing something's going on in their life. I'm guessing they're distracted right now. I'm guessing that there's something happening in their head and in their heart that they're just so down and low right now that, that they just aren't responding. I'm, I'm, I'm going to believe that, that those two people who are talking, they were sharing some problem and, and some accountability, and there was just a tender subject going on there. And I understand that because I'm not going to tell everybody what's going on in my life, and I understand that they, they weren't ready to share that with me. See, you've been set free from being wounded and hurt by all the religion that doesn't work the way you think it should work. Religion will disappoint you because at some point, some believer in Christ, some brother, some sister is going to say something that hurts your feelings. And you're going to decide, you know, I'm never going back to that church again. I'm never going to read the Bible again. You know, you'll just go down this religious path of they broke a rule and therefore they're unworthy of me and I'm just going to go somewhere else. You've been set free from that. You've been set free from that. You don't have to live according to hurt feelings. You don't have to let yourself be guided and pushed around by every imagined insult and every imagined slight that comes your way. You've been set free by Jesus Christ. You're set free from that religion. See, one of the things that helps is to remember what Christ is all about. You know, just at that moment where you're, uh, you're really upset, you really want to cash it in, you know, you really want to write that letter and tell them off, that's a terrible thing to do. It really is. I know this from experience. Oh, not because I get the letters. I wanted to send one. Just yesterday, I wanted to send one. There was a... Um, we used to call them fast food. I, I forget what they are now. A, anyway, it, it, was, it was one of those things where you drive through and you get your order in the fast food. And uh, uh, so after I pulled out of the Golden Arch, I, I wasn't going to mention them, but um, as I pulled out, I got my order, and it wasn't right. They, it wasn't right. I want to tell you how bad it was. It was terrible. I ordered something like sweet chili sauce, and they gave me cool ranch. I was fit to be tied. Now, understand, this was at the end of a very long series of things, and this, 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 this was an over-the-edge thing. I want you to know, I went to the Internet. I looked up how to get in touch with that particular store. I identified it by address, pumped it in. I was all ready to go, and then it said, what is your comment? And I looked at that, and I started to type, and I realized, you know, this is about as dumb as anything I've ever done. <laughs> I 
And the Holy Spirit kept me from making an absolute idiot out of myself in front of somebody I never knew, you know. And you start to understand that maybe I made a mistake once or twice too. Maybe you needed sweet chili sauce and I gave you cool ranch. And I sure wanted you to forgive me. I sure wanted you to be free from that kind of petty interaction that goes on. See, you start to look at the cross. You start to look at the cross where we insulted God. What did he do? Sent his son to die for us. Where we sinned against the absolute sovereign Lord of the universe. Told him we wanted nothing to do with him. And what did he do? He focused the entirety of the attention of heaven on the cross so that I might be forgiven. There at the foot of the cross where I sought to hurt and wound the heart of God, what did he do? He let his heart be broken in his son for me. It's pretty hard to turn to somebody else and tell them, look, Jesus forgave my eternal debt. Now, you owe me 25 cents. Pay up. I mean, that, that's pretty hard to do. And when you come to the cross and you see what the cross is and the authentic gospel that displays the, the grace of God given to us, we are set free from that pettiness and free from that bitterness, free so that we might forgive. We are set free by Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, by the power of Christ, that we might live a better life. This is why I want you to know the authentic gospel. You don't have to be shackled and enslaved to religion. You don't have to be shackled and enslaved to your sinfulness and willfulness. You don't have to be shackled and enslaved to this constant keeping score about who has done me wrong and how can I get even. You are set free from that, and you don't have to bear it any longer. That's why it's important. That's why it's important. I want you to be set free from the law. Set free from the law. You see, in my better moments, my faith has found a resting place. My faith has found a resting place. And it's not in some religious device. It's not in some religious practice. It's not just if I pray more or I read my Bible more or I witness more or I, I whatever it is. You know, it's not in some religious device that is going to manipulate God into, into loving me more or blessing me or somehow. My, my faith has found a resting place. It's not in some religious device and it's not in some religious creed. We believe the scriptures as our sole guide of faith and practice, but there are some wonderful statements of what the Bible teaches that just bring it all together and summarize it in a paragraph. And they're marvelous statements, but my faith is not in some man-made creed. I trust the ever-living one. And his wounds on the cross for me shall plead. Folks, I don't need any other argument. I don't need any other plea. It's enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. That sets you free. For this freedom in the gospel, Christ has set you free. No longer enslaved at all. Well, I want to honor your time this morning. Um, evidently, I have a whole sermon for next week. Um, <laughs> well, one of the things that will rob you of joy is religion. One of the things that will distort your walk with God is turning it into a religion. 
One of the things that will break and shatter and distort your relationships with others is if you want to cram religion into the relationship. What will set you free is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What will re remake and, and just bring new vitality to your relationships is the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ. What will cause you to be not the sour, dour-faced person who is constantly wagging your finger at folks and telling them what is wrong, but rather the one who with joy is proclaiming that God has, a, has, has new life in Christ and God has, has a, a plan for every life that ends at his throne of glory, that, that, that there's something more that we could never imagine that God has done in Christ. That sets you free. That will change your relationships. That's why we're looking at the authentic gospel. It, it hurt Paul. It hurt Paul that anyone was trying to take the faith of these Galatians and turn it into religion. That, that's why that, that the last couple of verses, where he says, I wish those who were unsettling you, and then verse 12. The word there is the word, the Greek word is terasso. It means those who are agitating you, those who, who, who are just sort of stirring you up, those who are just all, constantly uh, at, at work trying to, to, to make you upset and, and, and frustrated with yourself. He says, I wish those people would, let me paraphrase it, stop. I wish they would quit. <laughs> I wish they'd just go do something else because they were hurting the people of God. Beloved, I want you to know freedom in Christ. Now, you're going to have opportunity to know that freedom. You say, wow, that, that's great. I'm going to have opportunity for freedom because that means I, I'll get more blessings and I'll be, be able to do that. No, you're going to have opportunity to live in the freedom of Christ the next time somebody hurts your feelings. The next time you start reciting the long list of things that have gone wrong in your life or you start to, to justify um, your, your, your behaviors on the basis of what others have said or done, you're going to have a chance to live in the freedom of Christ at that moment by coming to the cross, seeing what God has done for us, opening your life to the power of the Holy Spirit, that in that instant, not living shackled to the brokenness and the hurtfulness and the religiosity of your, of your, of your measuring things, you'll have an opportunity at that moment to glorify the Father in the name of the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you will be free. Then you will be living in the freedom of the gospel. For freedom, Christ has set us free. The freedom of the gospel. Freedom of grace. Let's bow together in prayer. Gracious Father, I'm just so thankful that you never leave us where we are. When we are low and when we are broken and hurting and wounded, you don't leave us there. You pick us up and bring us out of the pit. I thank and praise you. But Father, in moments when we're satisfied with ourselves and smug in our self-righteousness and, and view ourselves as religiously accomplished people, I'm so thankful you do not leave us there that you call us in repentance and confession back to your throne of grace. Father, I thank you for the freedom that is ours in Christ. Let your Holy Spirit give us the courage of faith to walk in that freedom. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.
as we express our great, great faith as we find a resting place. If you're following along in your hymnal number 528, 528. 